Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today, on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on Bob Dylan's Heaven's Door Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Born May 24, 1941, in Duluth, Minnesota, Robert Allen Zimmerman was raised a few miles northwest in Hibbing, Minnesota. While in high school, Zimmerman formed several cover bands performing the songs of Elvis Presley and Little Richard. But for him, rock and roll was too vain. He felt it lacked substance and he gravitated towards folk. This marriage of rock, folk, and substance created a musical poet. He then moved to Minneapolis, where he began playing at coffee shops in Dinkytown under the name Bob Dylan. But who is Bob Dylan? Why is he such an icon? Did he really create a bourbon? And then name it after a song he wrote for a Western-style movie? And what does Bob Dylan bourbon taste like? Well, we will discuss this and more on this spirited group tasting session with Nick on the Tweed Couch. Well, the first thing I would like to do is I would like to start this episode by saying that it is always important to drink responsibly. Don't drink to excess. Don't drink and drive. But the second thing I'd like to say is that we have a new addition to the group therapy session. We have Nick, who is a bourbon aficionado, and I am happy to have him join me today as we discuss Bob Dylan and his bourbon brand. So, Nick, welcome to the Tweed Couch. Yeah, it's nice to have a seat on the couch. Uh, (laughs) Fun to be here. Excited to talk about uh, bourbon for sure. Um, I'll share what a little I know about Bob Dylan. Uh, But uh, yeah, looking forward to a little bit of time here with you. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's go ahead and get started with it. Now, what do you actually know about Bob Dylan? Because I got a lot that I know, but not because I'm like, just a huge uber fan, but mostly just because he is such a music icon. So what do you know about Bob Dylan? Yeah, so cultural icon. Absolutely. And really ushered in this whole folk music, rock and roll mix that spoke to a whole generation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, he had a humble beginning. You really look at it and he grew up in a Jewish community, born in Duluth, Raised in Hibbing, just a little northwest of there, a product of the Midwest, listened to the radio, listened to country, listened to folk. And here's somebody that's artistry really kind of developed at a young age. And, you know, it's amazing to look at at what America has to be proud of. Somebody who, well, almost grew up, dare I say, in Canada because he was so far north in America. Um, um, well, you can say almost <laughs> yeah. Canada. Um, yeah, and what's interesting is that the young people, the beatniks, the hippies, that generation from all across the country picked his music up and the message in his music and literally changed a perspective in this country. It Oh yeah. It, it was amazing. And so here's this, you know, um unassuming character from far north Minnesota yeah. that had this reaching 
effect across the country. Yeah, and actually, uh, one of his things that he was characterized as is he was considered a protest singer because his message was about civil rights and just, you know, the, the way that the man was getting you down. But at the same time, it was far more than that. It was kind of that poetry to it. And that's part of the reason why in 2012, President Obama actually gave him the uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom yep. was for the actions and what he did for uh, for that community at the time, for that, honestly, the culture of America at the time. And I think the other thing that really stands out, so what do we know about Bob Dylan? Many artists of the time, it was the sound was very much in sync with the lyric, right? Yeah. It was very square. And yes. so here comes Bob Dylan in and the the meter that he plays, the the vocal doesn't always line up with the music. Um, sometimes you don't even understand what he's saying. And it just was yeah. different enough that it caused people to listen. And then the words that he was writing and what he was singing stood out more because of how he delivered that message. Yeah. And actually, when I was doing my research, I mean, he grew up on folk and country and all that. But when he got to high school, I mean, it's the 50s. So he was heavily influenced by rock and roll. So what is he into? He's into Elvis. He's into Little Richard. And what he started to find was he found himself in a place where he went, I want more substance behind this music. And he started looking back at his folk roots. And I mean, all of that comes together and it makes a package, that package of Bob Dylan. He's Jewish. He's Midwestern. He's a rock and roll guy, but he's also folk and country. Yep. I mean, we think about that singer songwriter right there, something more meaningful in, in the product that he was producing, right? Um, how am I going to connect with what is really in my heart and mind and this cheesy pop music of the time doesn't do it? Yeah, it, it's really yeah. interesting. So that, that return to his basic, there's a, a story that I'm going to deliver and that story is going to come through this song. The song is going to be me. It's going to be authentic. Yeah. It's going to be rushed at times. It's going to be slurred at times. Yeah. It's me. That's right. And, you know, you can actually hear it in some of the names of the bands that he had starting out. He, they were the Jokers. It's a mm -hmm. very rock and roll right. sound. You know, they were the Shadow Blasters. I mean, that's that's another one that's very rock and roll. But then they became the Golden Chords. And that is that is completely 50s rock and roll. That is that is quintessential 50s. Which actually makes sense why when all of a sudden he had the chance... And um, I, I don't know if you know this, but he went to the University of Minnesota down the Minneapolis area yep. of Minnesota. And so he came all the way down there. It's a few hours down south from where he was, and which was essentially Canada, as we said. <laughs> and um, he actually flunked out of the U of M. And the reason why was because he, he I forget what they, they termed it. It was like uh, non-participatory. That's what it was like. It was non-participatory. So basically it was a failure to do the work. And, um, and what was he doing instead? He was playing in coffee shops. Right. Brings to mind for me, this non-conforming, right. Which mm -hmm. really was part of that whole movement of the time, which is why I think his music, his message connected really quickly all across the country yeah. it's like this isn't what my parents say it should be this isn't what my parents listen to this is he's speaking to me 
So what I find so ironic about that, a guy who is failing to participate, failing to really (laughs) launch and be someone of importance in the university circle, is also the guy that ended up getting an honorary doctorate from Princeton University in 1970. Isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah. High school education. (laughs) Uh, He's also the guy that ended up getting an honorary degree from the University of St. Andrews in Scotland as well. <laughs> so I just I just think that that's amazing. You know, what a, what a great way to go. <laughs> so just make a, a big enough cultural significance and have enough people whose lives are changed and influenced by what you sing about. Yeah. Um, to cause a, a, a real cultural revolution. Yeah. And then Dr. Bob Dylan can, you know, <laughs> can, can educate us, educate us all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, and it, it is pretty amazing is his road because he is in a number of different hall of fames, you know, sure. like songwriter hall of fame, rock and roll hall of fame, the British music hall of fame. You know, and, and, and he's he's influenced so many, you know, like he influenced the Beatles and yep. the Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys and Paul Simon, as well as so many others. So he's he's a pretty big deal, kind of a big deal. You think in, in terms of folk music and singer songwriter and kind of that scene. Oh, yeah. He's central. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, that, and what's crazy is, is that's just his career in music because he also ended up getting a Nobel prize for literature in 2016. He also got a Pulitzer prize in 2008. So he's, he's kind of been around. Uh, he has. And you, you have to also acknowledge um, what I think it's 38, maybe more, but 38 for sure. Studio albums. Oh released. yeah. He's so had a number of prolific. Them. Well, actually you look at what those albums have gone to and what what he's done because it's not just folk albums it's sure. rock albums it's christian albums he grew up jewish but the thing is is that he ended up saying in the 70s yeah i'm i'm christian now and he right. called it a physical experience like he felt the hand of jesus touch him yep and and what's crazy now though is that if you ask him now he doesn't talk about it interesting yeah he just doesn't want to talk about it but he called himself a christian yeah um at that time he still went to see a rabbi and he still went and did all those things that were his his culture yeah and i think you know that's it's not too surprising to hear that you think about how into his art into his mind his spirit as he was which is where all of this great art came from what propelled this movement very spiritual deeply spiritual experience yeah and and so it doesn't surprise me uh to hear that beliefs whatever you know have changed well right and that he just like his music is actually something that um has evolved over time and and i do i do think that that's absolutely amazing when you look at some of the people that he ended up influencing in some way one of the things that I think is really interesting to really look at how long his career has spanned. Right. I didn't realize, now nobody shoot me, but I didn't realize <laughs> that All Around the Watchtower was not Jimi Hendrix's. Hmm. I had no idea. And growing up, I thought that Guns N' Roses did have the store. <laughs> You're right. I had no You're idea. Right. 
And, and honestly, it wasn't until later and I started getting into music and getting into writing and getting into all those things that all of a sudden I started looking at the bylines and I went, Bob Dylan, well, why didn't he record it? Right. Oh, he did. He did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> and, and then you dig with the, you know, the, the beauty of the internet and YouTube, you dig in to see how many times that's been performed by him. And you start thinking like, wow, how silly of me to think it was Axl yeah. Rose that, uh, that's that, right. that led this. Um, yeah. Well, and for a guy who's so influential, it's also amazing to me to find out that he actually never played the Ed Sullivan show. Really? No, he never played it. They they had him set up. They had him there. He was in a room with all the executives and they listened to him and they went, I don't know what to do with you. <laughs> and so he never played the Ed Sullivan show. This mm. is also a guy that even though he completely evolved the way that so many artists did their thing, he didn't play Woodstock. He didn't play and he actually lived in the area. Um, he said it was like one of his kids was sick or something like that. That's but right. I mean, I could also see him going, I'm sticking it to the man. You right. know? <laughs> I don't know. Well, and it, it, it brings a little more, um, of the allure, the mystique around, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even some more significance to the message. If yeah. you are not necessarily in the spotlight, right. um, but you're driving this change through the people. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a credit to what he's done throughout his career, because it is kind of a a redefining, uh, even with each generation, and, and honestly, what he's done with his career to inspire people. Now, speaking of his career, I think that we should get into a little bit of the bourbon talk in this group therapy session, this spirited group therapy tasting. And um I I want to I want to pose this question. If Bob Dylan's career was a bourbon, what would you expect it to taste like? Mm, his career is a bourbon. I think it would definitely have to taste subtle. Okay. Very simple and nothing no sharp taste, right? Okay. No, so just smooth or uh yeah or is it sweet like what would you say? i would i would probably say um not necessarily smooth i think it would say there would be no no harsh bite or no okay. um heat nothing that makes you like takes your breath away that the word subtle comes to mind um yeah so it's interesting you went with with a uh, subtle and simple no heat and where I ended up going was, I think it's going to be complex, mm, all right. <laughs> you know, and I think it's, I think it's going to linger for a while. Um, and, you know, and I can see that smooth and rich type flavor. Um, but I also, just like Bob Dylan, I think can be over the top occasionally. And so there might be certain hints that I taste that I go, oh, that's too much, though. And it could be just the time frame of when popularity surged and kind of what he's known for in this in this generation. But when you think that lingering taste, I think it's going to be a lingering taste of that's where I'll give you the sweetness, the okay. floral, the um, kind of just that real light flavor. OK, that'll linger, you know, and I, actually I would add one other thing that I think just like with Bob Dylan, you know, we got it. We got a guy who has had over 3000 artists cover a multitude mm, of songs and right. record them on an album. And so when we're talking about a guy like that, I, I also 
think that this this bourbon it depends on what you do with it ah, okay. if it's neat you know and you, you don't add anything to it you just pour it in a glass and drink it it's gonna be what it is but if you add an ice cube or you put it in a Manhattan or you make a whiskey sour or something like that, it's going to start tasting different. It's going to start to evolve and change with whatever medium you put with it. Kind of like the song Heaven's Door, which was covered by Clapton and Guns N' Roses. It sounded different when they covered Bob Dylan, who actually wrote it and did it. All Around the Watchtower sounded different with Hendrix than it did with Dylan. And I think in a good homage to that, I predict that this bourbon is going to also change flavor when you start to add different mediums to it. The essence of the song is there. The essence of the melody is there. It's very, it's adaptable. And so I think that's what, uh, mm-hmm. what you're going for there. Yeah, that's the, exactly the, what I'm going for. The bourbon for. will be adaptable. You know, the last thing I'll say is to not get too far into the, the bourbon, because I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. But it's 70% corn. So almost guarantees you it's going to be sweet. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So, it, so does it have to be like 70% corn to be like a bourbon or something? Well, technically, a bourbon is 51% corn. There's a couple other okay. facts about what makes it a bourbon and not a whiskey. But oh, okay. um, one of the first and and probably the, the most important is that 51% of the mash yeah. uh, that's used to make the, the drink is corn. Okay. All right. So, so we know that this was 70%, huh? 70% corn. Wow. That is going to be, it's going to be sweet. You can, you just pour it into the gas tank? And use it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the yeah. ethanol. Okay. Ethanol, that Midwest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Maybe I it needs see, to be 10%. I see where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So before we really get into it, I guess we should, we should talk a little bit about this song. Is Bob Dylan's song that he, he right. was naming it after. And, you know, what significance does this song, Heaven's Door, really have and, and why do we think that this bourbon was actually named after it? I know that when I look at, at this bourbon, I'm, I'm actually shocked to find out that this song never was a number one hit. That, that does surprise me, right? So if we start the simplest reasons first, right? If you yeah. think about Bob Dylan, knocking on heaven's door is pretty, pretty up there. When you think about tied to a bourbon, it's like, well, is Tambourine Man... Really, a good bourbon that I'm gonna drink. Uh, okay, that's fair. He probably, can't necessarily do that one. Probably not. So, um, the I times think, they are a changing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, right? Don't know. So, I think that um, it has a little bit of allure, has a little bit of mystery. Yeah, and I think a little bit of that um, that spiritual side, right? Okay. That connection of what's really important to him could equally be really important to you or to anyone through his music. And so I think the creative minds behind the partnership and the drink think about what's really going to connect to people, what's really going to help people think, yeah, I could get on board with this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it does come from a movie. So uh, Bob Dylan, he actually wrote the score, wrote some of the soundtrack to this movie. And in it, Knocking on Heaven's Door is during this scene where the old sheriff has been shot and he's essentially dying. And when you listen to verse one and verse two, it talks about this this badge, take this badge off of me, I can't use it anymore. Or take these guns, put them in the ground, I can't use them anymore. 
And then the second part of each verse is basically this is what dying looks like. It's dark cloud and it stinks, you know? Um, And then after that, for about the entirety of three minutes, he just says, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Right. Um, And so (laughs) I actually counted it and there are only 44 different words in the entire song. Like just, just 44 different words. And I think about it and I go, you know, you can do more than 44 words in a tweet. You can do more than 44 words on an Instagram post. And actually, we've got an Instagram for those that, you know, want to follow or whatever. It's at the Tweed Couch. But yeah, I mean, you can you can put 44 words in these things. So it's amazing to me how simple it is and yet so impactful. The the I don't want to say the difference because I think there's an artist within, right? Right. Um, but I think the message again through those words, they're very simple. Um, it allows you as the listener to think, okay, what does that mean to me? Who's mama in that line? And sure. the badge, why am I asking to have the badge taken away? Is it right. as simple as I'm dying or am I physically dying or spiritually dying right. or emotionally dying? So do you leave it as it is just the movie and its face value and people just happen to like it and Guns N' Roses went... This is an opportunity for Slash to do a solo. <laughs> to do his Slash thing. Yeah. But possibly, right? Surface level, yeah. keep it simple. Sure. Very possible. Um, but you have to question how does few simple words yeah. last for 40 years? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, for- and, and, and cause people to stop and think and really relate. Yeah. Well, no, for Bigger sure. Bigger than the movie. And, and actually, maybe the simplicity of this song and the simplicity of the words and the simplicity of the, of the lines and everything going with it is actually an homage to how simple this bourbon's going to be. Ooh. You know, and you may be right. Could this be. may be simple. Could be. Exactly what you want and smooth or not heated or whatever. Um, but then again... Maybe I'm more right and it's going to be complex <laughs> and it's going to be like lingering and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that's interesting. I maybe yeah. maybe we need to find out what what it tastes like. So I think that's a good idea. I, I think it's time we do that now. Before we do that, I want to ask the question, how does bourbon actually get made? Like, how does this one get made? So the bottle we have here in front of us, since I know your your listeners can't see it, but it's a straight bourbon whiskey. And so, again, back to some of those um, important facts that make it a bourbon. Bourbon has to be aged a minimum of two years in an oak barrel that's charred. So they take flame to the inside of the barrel, char it up, and they char it based on the recipe, the flavor, the taste that they want to make. So it sits in those charred oak barrels for a minimum of two years, and that's straight bourbon whiskey. Okay. With a a mash of 51% corn. Or more. So so is this a two-year bourbon then? Uh, This one actually is an eight-year bourbon. Oh. So what happens when you leave them in there longer? Yeah, so the the majority of the flavor from your bourbon comes from the barrel. And so the longer it sits in that barrel, the more of that oak it draws out, the more of that char it draws out, um, and the more those grains blend with the oak and the char. Okay, so they call this a Tennessee bourbon. But at the same time, 
isn't isn't Tennessee stuff whiskey and Kentucky stuff bourbon? <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, yeah. There's a there's a thought out there, right? That Kentucky's bourbon. That's it. Right. There's actually just a couple small areas in in Kentucky. Yeah. Um, it really goes back to it's more than fifty one percent corn. It's in a charred oak barrel, aged a minimum of two years. It's produced in the U.S. If you look at what typically makes a bourbon, it's not necessarily um, Kentucky only. And then there's some some crazy facts around um, like the highest proof it can be when it goes into the barrel, the highest proof it can be when it comes into the bottle and so forth. But um, or the minimum proof when it goes into a bottle. So, yeah, it does not have to be tied just to Kentucky. It's the corn to other grain ratio, the barrel and that it's oak. And that it sits in there a minimum of two years. Oh, that's that's interesting. So as we look at this, uh, as we look at the bottom, we look at all the different the different parts of it. You know, it makes me wonder why Bob Dylan decided that he needed to do a bourbon because he could have done he could have done a tequila or a gin. I mean, like Justin Timberlake's got his thing going. He's got his own alcohol. Drake has their own <laughs> alcohol. You know, like what. What do you think that the significance of it being Heaven's Door and it having to be a whiskey or a bourbon? Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. I know part of it is the the company that had the idea was into making bourbon. And okay. so if we take just a simple answer, it's they're bourbon producers and they wanted to bring an icon and okay. partner with an artist to really show the artistry of what they're trying to produce yeah and there's there's actually been a number of these you know we'll, we'll see how this goes but uh you know maybe i mean i know blackened is the metallica mm, one right maybe we'll have to do a metallica a blackened i think we'll have to <laughs> you know? I, th- I think the other thing is that um you know it's it's that marriage of you've got the producers who want to make a great bourbon yeah. And um, they've already been successful in making bourbons. And you've got the artist with Bob Dylan who wants to get into that business. And so I think the two meet. Oh, and sure. It's a great partnership. Yeah. I, I actually put a little bit of thought into this and, and was thinking about it. And I went, I think it's possible that when somebody came up to him and said, we want to make a bourbon and we want to tie your name to it. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to figure out what we want to name it that he just went back to his acting career and went, well, I was actually a part of an old Western and that's all they drink is whiskey. It could be. And, and so he went automatically this score that I wrote for the 1973 film, Pat Garrett and Billy the kid. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what it was. And, uh, well, and I think the other, you know what? You might be onto something. It might be a, a way to, to, again, his art central into what's happening here. Um, I think it's also an opportunity to showcase his metal work art. Yeah. Which is a whole nother thing we probably could talk about. Yeah. Actually, that, that brings up a, an interesting point. So for those that, that can't see this, you know, because, you know, you don't have the internet or something. Um, but you obviously don't see it at this moment. Uh, when you look at the bottle, it looks like it has this big iron gate on it. And keep in mind that Bob Dylan is, he's a complex guy, even though he's simple as well. Like he's private is what he is, but 
he is he's a poet he's a singer he's a songwriter he's he's an artist and part of it is metalwork and that these irons and actually he has a quote on his website where he says that the gates appeal to me because of the negative space they allow they can shut you out or shut you in and in some ways there is no difference mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. you know i think that's okay so let's uh, let's take a moment mm-hmm. you ask a question about you know, and we talked earlier about, you know, this religious experience. We think about Heaven's Gate, right? Yeah. And, um, and for him, uh, perhaps that's that quote, just when, when you were describing oh, yeah. that quote, it makes me think of, oh, that might be a kind of a spiritual reflection yeah. of what uh, he's looking at for the afterlife. Yeah, I, I, I can see, I can totally see that as a possibility. I, you know, and then again, maybe he's just screwing with us um you know (laughs) that's the beauty of the artist right yeah yeah it's definitely the beauty of the artist so i guess you know speaking of the beauty of the artist we should probably taste the artistry inside this bottle so it is time i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna take the wrapper off of it and while i do that how about you read what another taster or whatever their press release or whatever is about what other people say the contents of this bottle taste like? So, um, great question. What do others say? So there's a lot of reviews out there and you can go to any site, any search engine and find hundreds of reviews, right? Um, I took the liberty of going through several reviews and some themes that emerge. There's definitely a floral character. So it's pretty strong okay. in a in a floral character. Lots of honey a spiced vanilla. Oh. So as the initial taste, it ends up being, you know, less, um, less heat, um, with that vanilla, that spiced vanilla kind of honey floral taste, the finish. So as you know, you've swallowed your drink and it's just like that taste that's left in your mouth. Um, this is where some of the nutty taste and, um, Actually, some of the reviews come back and say tropical. Tropical? Tropical. So, what do you expect out of tropical? I mean, you know, that's, it, that's a good question. Cause I, to me, tropical would be a pineapple. Yeah, something. Which, yeah. when you think from. Mango? <laughs> yeah. So we'll have to. We'll have to see after yeah. we take this taste how it, how the finish if if we get that tropical. I think to me that's going to be the leftover vanilla, mm-hmm. some of the floral taste that okay. uh, will start to diminish after. So, how does it end up having all this flavor if it literally is water, corn, and a few other things stuck into a a barrel that has been set on fire? It's the beauty of science. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's corn, rye, and malted barley okay those are the three main grains uh water and then it sits in there and those sugars break down and uh the alcohol forms and then it sits in those barrels and all those flavors blend and meld and are pulled from the oak and then our brain tells us and our brain tells us it's it's spicy vanilla with floral and it tastes like baked cookies and (laughs) you know cinnamon bread yeah So uh, reading the side of the bottle here, uh, Bob Dylan says, we wanted to create a collection of American whiskeys that in their own way tell a story. And then uh, their little 
marketing statement says, Our straight bourbon whiskey, aged for a minimum of five years, is exceptional by all measures. Smooth and lasting with notes of baking spice and vanilla layered over a bed of toasted oak. Toasted oak. This sounds like breakfast more than it sounds like. Well, maybe it was for Bob Dylan. A few times. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so what's interesting is I look at the tag on on the bourbon. It says Tennessee bourbon on it, and then it, it also has that it's won like three awards. And so evidently in in 2018 it won the double gold New York World Wine and Spirits competition, and uh, evidently it, it also won the the gold medal in the San Francisco World Spirits Competition in 2018. And then it says it won the Ultimate Spirits Challenge, and it was a finalist in 2018, and it got 96 points. So why are they keeping score? What does 96 yeah, what points is, mean? Yeah, so it's 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 just a, a scoring system used um, as these bourbons compete. Um, it's based on the 100-point system, okay. and uh, oh. it's based on appearance so the you know what what the bourbon looks like the nose which would be the smell and what it you know kind okay. of as it as the taste starts with your smell so we right? should so we should sniff it first should definitely sniff okay. it first and then the taste and then how it finishes okay and so that uh gives you the uh up to 100 points if you are looking for a way to help support the tweed couch and it costs no money to you then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Let's hear from another sponsor. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, if you love family-friendly, if you love camping, then you should look into LifeFest. LifeFest is one of the largest Christian music festivals in America and draws attendees from across the United States to worship together, deepen their faith, and strengthen relationships with family and friends. This three-day event features dozens of artists, engaging seminars, and much more. This year, in 2021, we have two festivals. Come join a party with a purpose in Oshkosh, Wisconsin on July 8th through 11th or on the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bon Agua, Tennessee on July 29th through 31st. I'll see you there. Okay, so this is how we will taste it. We'll set our ground rules. So I'm going to I'm going to crack this cork. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to pop this cork, whatever. I'm going to I'm going to open it up and then what we are going to do is we'll, we'll pour it into a glass, we'll sniff it, then we'll taste it. Yep. We'll let it linger. We'll take a few sips and then, you know what? To go towards what I had mentioned that it might be different depending on what you do with it. You know what? Let's put an ice cube we'll in put it. Put an ice cube let and see what happens. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So let's do that. Now, this is 92 proof. All right. Um, let's try this. Now, do we actually know who distills this? Uh, from Spirits Investments Partners. And again, they uh, also, one of the distillers, also produces Angel's Envy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, another I, popular bourbon out there. Yeah, I have actually been to Angel's Envy in Louisville, Kentucky. And yeah. you know what? It's, it's a lot of fun to be able to go to these uh, bourbon 
places and see how it's distilled and see the way it's made. I mean, have you ever been on the Bourbon Trail before? Not yet. It's on the bucket list. That's it. That's it. We're going to have to take this tour on the road. Agree. Group therapy everywhere we go. They're just going to think that we've had too much. The couch can travel. Yeah. (laughs) Have couch, will travel. So we don't actually know where this bourbon is really made. Actually, what's really cool about this is the distillery will be opening an experience center, they call it, Okay. uh, where it will be where they distill it, they sell it, they display Dylan's art in a church in Nashville. Hold on. So they're going to distill this bourbon in a church. Yes. That is definitely a congregation that I want to be a part of. Me too. I, yes. I, they're going to have the best communion ever. It's, it's a different type of Kentucky hug. <laughs> it's- I like it. <laughs> I like it. Because <laughs> it's made in Tennessee, right? No. Um, well, I guess the next thing that we have to do, because we've already popped the cork and everything, we've already poured the drink, I think it's time we sniff. It's sniff, right? Starts with the nose. All right. So, so you sniff, I'll sniff, and then you tell me what you smell first. Okay, the first thing that comes to me is butterscotch and vanilla. The first thing that hit me was oak. Gosh, and something that I put on my wounds, when I, and then they bubble up. I don't know. <laughs> you sniff peroxide? <laughs> okay, well, maybe not. All right. Okay. Okay, All here right. we go. Let's go ahead and... Oh, actually, if you swirl it around, it like leaves little streaks coming down. Oh, yes. All that's, right. that's pretty cool. All right, well, I think the next thing we do is we need to take a sip. Okay, so very little heat. Yeah. It's it's almost peppery. Is, okay. Is that a term that I can use? You can use peppery. Okay. Is there anything else you taste on your palate? So I'm getting I'm I'm getting the floral. I'm getting there there's a little combination of, you know, different flowers like your in a pasture so one of the things that i remember when i went to these distilleries was they would say you you never really make your full decision until you've had the second sip so let's try the second try a second sip it's about the same actually I'm, i'm i'm sticking with floral yeah i i don't taste as much oak as i smelled and it's i i get the vanilla and so now for the finish, since it's been a while since the sip, I'm getting the oak yeah. in the finish. It, it definitely coats the mouth well. Mm-hmm. Like when you let it swish around, like it's not just on my tongue. It's on the roof of my mouth. It's on the cheeks. Like it's, it's lingers, you know. Yep. No, it stays. Yeah. Yeah. This color, it's actually a little bit... Of that, uh, I don't know, it, it's, it's almost like a, a thin maple syrup type look. Yeah, I, I was sitting there as you were trying to think of thin maple syrup. Um, to me, it's almost like a caramel again. Yeah, but I don't taste a whole lot of caramel. I'm tasting yeah. no yeah. caramel. Yeah, the color for sure. Yeah, spicy vanilla up front, floral. Yes, it's all that that is exactly what is up front. And that's that peppery, mm-hmm. that spicy sure, vanilla. That, yep. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And in actually, you're right. It's as it as it kind of sits and mellows. It gets just more and more floral and then 
all of a sudden it's this deep yep. oak. You know, when I look at this bottle, it says a five-year bourbon, and um, it, it leads me back to most of the research I looked at talked about um, this being an eight-year, and oh. and it makes sense. You know, on the label they put the youngest aged barrel that contains the whiskey, so they may mix an eight and a five and a twelve together and put that in the bottle but they put the youngest age on the label oh so this could be like a 12 year or even a 15 year bourbon but it's because it's mixed with possibly an eight year or a five year then that it's now called a five year fives on the label yep and it doesn't even matter percentages then no Okay, because well, it's you know. this, it's the same straight bourbon, right? It was um, in that barrel for at least two years. Yeah, it um, has a fifty-one percent corn or more, right? Um, oak charred barrel, right? You know, and that makes sense because that gives you the consistency. Because after all, if we're talking about years of something sitting in a barrel, yep. How hot was the summer? How cold was the winter? You know, how wet all, was spring? How good were was the the corn? How good was all that stuff? Yep. And then when you put all that together, what do you end up with? Well, you end up with many different years of ooh, that one was really oaky. Oh, I remember that one. That one was real floral. Oh, that one had more of that toasted vanilla. And now they pour a little bit of that to get Heaven's Door. Right. Yeah. No, it makes sense. As mentioned before, so we, we've sniffed it, we've tasted it. We looked at the color. We've done the color, we've done the whole lingering thing. Yep. Now, one of the things I said was, I think it will change. Just like Bob Dylan, I think that the evolution of this will change if we add something. But I don't want to add Pepsi, I don't want to add Coke. I just want to add ice. You want to do add, it? Let's add an ice cube. Let's add an ice cube. Okay. Okay. So... We got to let it sit for a second. Because we don't want to make it, yeah, we don't want to water it down. We don't want to water it down too much. Now, uh, with that said, he has a rye. So how is the rye different than this? Yeah, so a rye is, so there's all kinds of grains that Mm -hmm. go into a whiskey or a bourbon. Uh, Corn and rye and barley, right, are are big ones. Um, So a rye is minimum 51% rye. So it could uh-huh. be 51% or more of rye. They call it rye. But adding that much rye, wouldn't it also give it like a lot of heat? And the rye typically has that heat, the spice okay. um, that, that a bourbon necessarily wouldn't have because the, the greater majority grain is corn. So it's sweeter. Right. So what about the double barrel? Because they also have a double barrel. So double barrel is, um, it starts because it's a bourbon in an oak barrel, typically American white oak. Okay. And it's charred and it's a new barrel. And then it sits in there a minimum of two years because it's a bourbon. Could sit in there for much longer. Yeah, 12 years, whatever, yeah. Um, And then it's finished in a second barrel. Could so, be new or used, oh, okay. old, right? Um, some distillers finish in a wine barrel oh, or right. a port barrel mm-hmm. or a something, sherry right? Sherry, or, right? Yeah. So or a beer barrel. Or beer, right? right? So, I mean, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of... But uh, that would be the double barrel, right? Oh, it started okay. in the white oak, the American oak yeah. charred barrel that's new. And then moved to a different barrel. And then moved to a different barrel mm, after okay. a minimum of two years, if they're going to call it a bourbon. 
All right. Well, and, and that all makes sense. All right. Well, it's been a minute, so let's go ahead and let's try this now with the ice. So to me, right off the top, the ice takes all of that vanilla taste at the beginning out. Yeah. It almost put the floral at the front of it. Much more floral. It's very floral. And the when I said peppery, now it's a spicy vanilla to me. Now the spice is much more pronounced. Yeah. I agree. That second taste. Wow. The times they are a-changing. <laughs> Indeed. The, what's interesting, though, to me is the oak is still there in the all finish. All of it. Yeah. yeah. It, it, actually, it's all of it, but it's not as hefty. Yeah. It's, a little more subdued. Yeah, a little bit more subdued. Yeah. That's crazy. So we just got done talking about rye, yep. but, we, but we kind of talked about double barrel. But what's the difference between a double barrel and a double oak? Double oak typically is, you know, it's the same bourbon. Okay. Uh, it's in a, it's finished a second time in barrels that have been uh, toasted twice as long, but not a heavy char. Okay. All right. Right. No, so I, it starts off in that in that mm-hmm. oak barrel that's got a char on it. Yep. And then it's finished in a second oak barrel, um, toasted longer, but not as much char. Yeah. Well, then that makes perfect sense on why they would taste so different and why why they're really two different price points a lot of times between the two different barrels, you know, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking at my glass right now, and I put in one ice cube, and that ice cube was about quarter done when we took the first sip, and now it's about halfway gone, that ice, so right. we should probably go ahead and take another sip. Mm-hmm. So the heat's gone. Heat is gone. Spice is gone. Yep. It's, I would say it's almost all, to me, vanilla and oak. Yeah. Vanilla oak, I still got the floral. And actually, as I'm talking, I taste the floral yeah. as I'm... Yeah, the floral's coming out more. The spice, the heat uh, is totally gone for yeah. me. And this tastes more, um, yeah, vanilla oak. All right. Well, I think that pretty much uh, sums things up. So unless you have anything else that you want to add to it. All right. Actually, you know, since this is a partnership... And yeah. the I mentioned early on that one of the distillers and the producer here that partnered with Bob Dylan also creates Angel Angel's Envy. Oh yeah, I brought a bottle of Angel's Envy. Oh yeah. nice, pull that thing out. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so we should really find out is Bob Dylan's Heaven's Door really on par with its sister company? Uh, yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Kind of sister company? Yeah, and okay. I think if you look at the bottle alone, notice on the back are oh. Angel's Wings, right? So again, the kind of this this artwork theme. Um, well, actually, it's all still in the same family, right? Because it's, it's Angel's Envy, and so there's the Angel, and then there's Heaven's Door, which, you know, that... Thing. So, all right, yeah, yep. let's let's go and, ahead and give this a and what shot. I'll, what I'll mention, you know, one of the big differences with Angel's Envy is that it's finished in a port wine barrel. Okay, so this is a whiskey then. Uh, it is still a bourbon whiskey. So it's a bourbon whiskey. It is a bourbon because it's 51% corn. Okay. Minimum, right? Right. Um, and aged 
in a oak barrel, okay. new oak barrel that's charred for minimum of two years. Um, but yeah, it is finished in a uh, port wine barrel. Okay, interesting. Okay, and it's uh, it is a eighty six point six proof, so it's a little bit less proof than two. Right. Interesting. All right. Well, well, let's, let's try it. Let's find out how it matches up with Bob Dylan's Heaven's Door. All right. Now back to the make sure that you're drinking responsibly and don't drive home, all that kind of stuff. We've we've basically had, you know, this will be drink number two. And then when we get done press and record, we'll hang out for a bit and, yep. you know, and then, then be done. So, okay. So immediately when I look at the color, this is a touch darker. A little, little bit darker. Could that be the port wine barrel? Could it could right depends how long it that it pulls some of the color. Yeah, could also be the way they toast the barrel or something like that. Could be. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right. So now we smell. Oh, that smells very different. Yeah, I'm definitely smelling the fruit. Yeah, it's yeah, it's all fruit. Very very fruit. All right, let's, let's taste. taste it. That's completely different. Yeah, there's no pepper. There's no spice. Nope. None whatsoever. I would say that's really strong vanilla. Yep. The heat is just subtle underneath it all. So subtle. It's almost it's almost like a dessert wine. Uh, it is. I know it's finished in a, a port wine barrel, which would be a dessert wine, right? Yep. But you, I mean, you definitely. So it's it's like a um, it's like an oak wine. <laughs> Okay. If that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> the wine of the cowboy. The wine of the cowboy. <laughs> okay, now let's talk real quick. Price point. Mm-hmm. So um, the the Tennessee straight bourbon whiskey that I've got here ended up cost me about $47 and then tax on that's top of the heaven's door. And that's the heaven's door that I got. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much does angels envy? Yeah, this, for? this bottle angels envy was 49. Okay. So really only a few dollars difference, right? I, I, I would uh, call that the same price point. It's, it is the same price point. You know, it's one of those that if you're going to, if you enjoy one more mm-hmm. for sure, and it happens to be a little more expensive, it was worth the money. Agree. As opposed to going, well, I can save $2, but you can also be less happy for the entirety of the bottle. Right. Yeah. And I, I will say Angel's Envy is um, also, there's a scarcity element. So mm. it's not on every liquor store shelf. So sometimes okay. this one is, um, is not available. Oh, Whereas okay. you'll see Heaven's Door in almost every liquor store. Uh, Angel's Envy is uh, sometimes even held behind a counter. You have to ask for it. Oh, yeah. I would say, you know, if I had to pick between the two, they are two completely different. Completely different. Yeah, they are not anywhere near the same. I do like the sweetness of Angel's Envy, Mm -hmm. but I like the spice of Heaven's Door. Well, it's really what you're after, right? Because Angel's Envy, there's two barrels, right? That this uh, bourbon has has oh yeah has been in perfect versus the heaven's door which Mm -hmm. has one barrel that's right yep yeah well and that shows the complexity of what they do right gosh that is great all right well you know final thoughts do you have any final thoughts to add to any of this type of stuff 
You know, final thoughts for me is Heaven's Door is a great bourbon. Um, I'd prefer it neat. I'd yeah. prefer it with possibly even with a campfire, right? You're sitting oh, outside, yeah. right? Because uh, the oak to me really comes through. To me, it's a a, a great bourbon for price point for um, what you're gonna get with the the spice level, the the floral, the butterscotch, vanilla with the oak finish. I think for me, it's a real enjoyable drink. And um, should be on your shelf for sure. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I can see, you know, on a on a cold night, mm-hmm. a, Heaven's Door would actually be a yep. nice warmer for you. I could totally see myself sitting in front yep. of like a fireplace, listening to folk music in yep. an old timey radio. To me, part of this whole idea of a artist that's a musician being able to produce some sort of a uh, of, of a of a, a cordial of uh, uh, some sort of a spirit um you know yep. that kind of thing what i appreciate the most about it is the fact that they've created something that in their mind or at least it should be in their mind reflective of their career and their music and i would easily drink this while listening to any of the Bob Dylan songs. Well, and you know that, and that's a really interesting point too. And I would say just from the conversation piece, just for, if you have friends over and you want to talk about your favorite Mm -hmm. Bob Dylan song, you want to talk about what that folk music, that singer songwriter, that Mm -hmm. cultural revolution that took place around this music. And the music was a part of that revolution um, while enjoying a really easy to drink bourbon. Yeah. I would say keep it keep it on hand. Yeah, it's a must. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. My name is Dr. T, and remember, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I love talking gear. Until next time. <laughs>